Section 15 of Poems of American History, Volume 2, The Revolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melvin Lee. Chapter 8, The War on the Water. At the outbreak of the Revolution, the colonies had no navy, but a number of cruisers and privateers were soon fitted out, and by the end of 1776, nearly 300 British vessels had fallen into the hands of the Americans. This activity was kept up during the succeeding year. The crews of the Fair American, as described in the old ballad of that name, being one of the most noteworthy. The Cruise of the Fair American. The 22nd of August, before the close of day, all hands on board of our privateer, we got under way. We kept the eastern shore along for 40 leagues or more. Then our departure took for sea from the Isle of Mahegan shore. Brad Hawthorne was commander, a man of real worth. Old England's cruel tyranny induced him to go forth. She, with relentless fury, was plundering all our coast, and thought, because her strength was great, our glorious cause was lost. Yet boast not, haughty Britons, of power and dignity. By land thy conquering armies, thy matchless strength at sea. Since taught by numerous instances, Americans can fight. With valor can equip their stand, your armies put to flight. Now farewell to fair America, farewell our friends and wives. We trust in heaven's peculiar care for to protect their lives. To prosper our intended cruise upon the raging main, and to preserve our dearest friends till we return again. The wind it being leading, it bore us on our way as far unto the southwards as the Gulf of Florida, where we fell in with a British ship bound homeward from the main. We gave her two bow chasers, and she returned the same. We hauled up our courses and so prepared to fight, the contest held four glasses until the dusk of night. Then having sprung our mainmast and had so large a sea, we dropped astern and left our chase till the returning day. Next morn we fished our mainmast, the ship still being nigh, all hands made for engaging, our chance once more to try. But wind and sea being boisterous, our cannon would not bear. We thought it quite imprudent, and so we left her there. We cruised to the eastward, near the coast of Portugal. In longitude of twenty-seven, we saw a lofty sail. We gave her chase, and soon perceived she was a British snow standing for fair America, with troops for General Howe. Our captain did inspect her with glasses, and he said, My boys, she means to fight us, but you be not afraid. All hands repair to quarters, 
See everything is clear. We'll give her a broadside, my boys, as soon as she comes near. She was prepared with nettings, and her men were well secured, and bore it directly for us, and put us close on board. When the cannon roared like thunder, and the muskets fired amain, but soon we were alongside, and grappled to her chain. And now the scene had altered. The cannon ceased to roar. We fought with swords and boarding pikes, one glass or something more, till British pride and glory no longer dared to stay, but cut the Yankee grapplings and quickly bore away. Our chase was not so desperate as plainly might appear, yet sudden death did enter on board our privateer. Mahoney, Crew, and Clemens, the valiant and the brave, fell glorious in the contest and met a watery grave. Ten other men were wounded among our warlike crew, with them our noble captain, to whom all praise is due. To him and all our officers, let's give a hearty cheer. Success to fair America and our good privateer. The Americans were not without their losses, and one of the most serious occurred early in 1778. On the morning of March 7, the 32-gun frigate Randolph, Captain Nicholas Biddle, while cruising off Barbados, fell in with the English 64-gun ship of the line Yarmouth and attacked immediately. The fight had lasted about an hour when the Randolph's magazine was in some way fired and the ship blew up. Of the crew of 315, only four were saved. On the death of Captain Nicholas Biddle, March 7, 1778. What distant thunders rend the skies? What clouds of smoke in volumes rise? What means this dreadful roar? Is from his base Vesuvius throne? Is sky-topped Atlas tumbled down? Or Etna's self no more? Shock after shock torments my ear, And lo, two hostile ships appear. Red lightnings round them glow, the Yarmouth boasts of sixty-four, the Randolph thirty-two, no more. And will she fight this foe? The Randolph soon on Stygian's stream shall coast along the land of dreams, the islands of the dead. But fate that parts them on the deep shall save the Briton, still to weep his ancient honors fled. Say, who commands that dismal blaze? Where yonder starry streamer plays, Does Mars with Jove engage? Tis Biddle wings those angry fires, Biddle whose bosom Jove inspires With more than mortal rage. Tremendous flash and hark, The ball drives through old Yarmouth, Flames and all. Her bravest sons expire. Did Mars himself approach so nigh, even Mars, without disgrace, might fly the Randolph's fiercer fire. The Briton views his mangled crew, and shall we strike to thirty-two, said Hector, stained with gore? 
Shall Britain's flag to these descend? Rise, and the glorious conflict end. Britons, I ask no more. He spoke, they charged their cannon round. Again the vaulted heavens resound. The Randolph bore it all, then fixed her pointed cannons true. Away the unwieldy vengeance flew. Britain the warriors fall. The Yarmouth saw with dire dismay her wounded hall shroud shot away. Her boldest heroes dead, she saw amidst her floating slain the conquering Randolph stem the main. She saw, she turned and fled. That hour, blessed chief, had she been thine, dear Biddle, had the powers divine been kind, as thou wert brave, but fate, who doomed thee to expire, prepared an arrow tipped with fire and marked a watery grave. And in that hour when conquest came, winged at his ship a pointed flame that not even he could shun. The conquest ceased, the Yarmouth fled, the bursting Randolph ruin spread, and lost what honor won. Philip Freneau Among the most successful of the Yankee privateers was the Providence, and her most famous exploit was performed in July 1779, when she attacked a fleet of merchantmen under convoy of a ship of the line and some cruisers, and captured ten prizes, nine of which valued at over a million dollars, were got safely to Boston. The Providence was commanded by Abraham Whipple, the hero of the Gaspee exploit and of a hundred others. The Yankee Privateer, July 1779. Come listen, and I'll tell you how first I went to sea to fight against the British and earn our liberty. We shipped with Captain Whipple, who never knew a fear, the captain of the Providence, the Yankee Privateer. We sailed and we sailed and made good cheer. There were many pretty men on the Yankee privateer. The British Lord High Admiral, he wished old Whipple harm. He wrote that he would hang him at the end of his yard arm. My Lord, rode Captain Whipple back, it seems to me it's clear that if you want to hang him, you must catch your privateer. We sailed and we sailed and made good cheer for not a British frigate could come near the privateer. We sailed to the southard, and nothing did we meet, till we found three British frigates and their West Indian fleet. Old Whipple shut our ports as we crawled up near, and he sent us all below on the Yankee privateer. So slowly he sailed, we dropped to the rear, and not a soul suspected the Yankee privateer. At night we put the lights out, and forward we ran, and silently we boarded the biggest merchant man. We knocked down the watch, and the lubbers shook with fear. She's a prize without a shot to the Yankee privateer. 
We sent the prize north while we lay near, and all day we slept on the bold privateer. For ten nights we followed, and ere the moon rose, each night a prize we'd taken beneath the lion's nose. When the British looked to see why their ships should disappear, they found they had in convoy a Yankee privateer. But we sailed and sailed and made good cheer. Not a coward was on board of the Yankee privateer. The biggest British frigate bore round to give us chase. But though he was the fleeter, old Whipple wouldn't race, till he'd raked her fore and aft, for the lubbers couldn't steer. Then he showed them the heels of the Yankee privateer. Then we sailed and we sailed and we made good cheer, for not a British frigate could come near the privateer. Then northward we sailed to the town we all know, and there lay our prizes all anchored in a row. And welcome were we to our friends so dear, and we shared a million dollars on the bold privateer. We sailed and we sailed and we made good cheer. We had all full pockets on the bold privateer. Then we each manned a ship and our sails we unfurled, and we bore the stars and stripes o'er the oceans of the world. From the proud flag of Britain we swept the seas clear, and we earned our independence on the Yankee privateer. Then landsmen and sailors, one more cheer. Here is three times three for the Yankee privateer. Arthur Hale The achievements of other American naval captains were soon eclipsed by those of John Paul Jones, a Scottish sailor settled in Virginia, who, at the outbreak of the war, offered his services to Congress. In 1776, on board the Alfred in the Delaware River, he raised the first flag of the Revolution, a pine tree with a rattlesnake coil to the foot and the motto, Don't Tread on Me. Paul Jones, a song unto liberty's brave buccaneer, ever bright be the fame of the patriot rover. For our rights he first fought in his black privateer, and faced the proud foe, ere or sea they crossed over in their channel and coast. He scattered their host, and proud Britain robbed of her sea-ruling boast, and her rich merchant's barks shunned the ocean in fear of Paul Jones, fair liberty's brave buccaneer. In the first fleet that sailed in defense of our land, Paul Jones forward stood to defend freedom's arbor. He led the bold Alfred at Hopkins' command and drove the fierce foeman from Providence Harbor. T'was his hand that raised the first flag that blazed and his deeds neath the pine tree all oceans amazed. For hundreds of foes met a watery bier from Paul Jones, fair liberty's brave buccaneer. His arm crushed the Tory and mutinous crew, 
that strove to have free men inhumanly butchered. Remember his valor at proud Flamborough, when he made the bold Serapis strike to the Richard. Oh, he robbed of their store, the vessels sent o'er, to feed all the Tories and foes on our shore. He gave free men the spoils, and long may they revere the name of fair liberty's bold buccaneer. In seventeen seventy eight he was sent with the eighteen gun ship Ranger to prowl about the British coasts. He entered the Irish Channel, seized the Lord Chatham, set fire to the shipping at Whitehaven, and captured the British twenty gun sloop Drake after a fierce fight. With the Drake and several merchant prizes, he made his way to Brest and prepared for a more important expedition, which was fitting out for the following year. The Yankee Man of War, 1778. Tis of a gallant Yankee ship that flew the stripes and stars, and the whistling wind from the west-nor-west blew through the pitch-pine spars. With her starboard tacks aboard, my boys, she hung upon the gale. On an autumn night we raised the light on the old head of Kinsale. It was a clear and cloudless night, and the wind blew steady and strong. As gaily over the sparkling deep our good ship bowled along. With the foaming seas beneath her bow, the fiery waves she spread and bending low her bosom of snow, she buried her glee-cat head. There was no talk of shortening sail by him who walked the poop, and under the press of her pondering jib, the boom bent like a hoop, and the groaning waterways told the strain that held her stout main tack. But he only laughed as he glanced aloft at a white and silvery track. The mid-tide meets in the channel waves that flow from shore to shore, and the mist hung heavy upon the land from Featherstone to Dunmore. And that sterling light in Tusker Rock, where the old bell tolls each hour, and the beacon light that shone so bright was quenched on Waterford Tower. The knightly robes our good ship wore were her own topsails three, her spanker and her standing jib, the courses being free. Now, lay aloft, my heroes bold, let not a moment pass, and royals and topgallant sails were quickly on each mast. What looms upon our starboard bow, what hangs upon the breeze, this time our good ship hauled her wind abreast the old salties, for by her ponderous press of sail and by her consorts four, we saw our morning visitor was a British man of war. Up spake our noble captain then as a shot ahead of us passed. Haul snug your flowing courses, lay your topsail to the mast. Those Englishmen gave three loud hurrahs from the deck of their covered ark, 
and we answered back by a solid broadside from the decks of our patriot bark. Out booms, out booms, our skipper cried, out booms and give her sheet, and the swiftest keel that was ever launched shot ahead of the British fleet. And amidst a thundering shower of shot, with stunsails hoisting away, down the north channel, Paul Jones did steer just at the break of day. The new squadron sailed for the English coast in the summer of 1779. It consisted of the flagship, a clumsy old Indiaman called the Duras, whose name Jones changed to Bonhomme Richard, and four consorts. The summer was spent in cruising about the British coast, and so much damage was done that Paul Jones became a sort of boogie to all England. Paul Jones, A New Song Of heroes and statesmen, I'll just mention four that cannot be matched if we trace the world o'er. For none of such fame ever stepped o'er the stones as Green, Jimmy Twitcher, Lord North, and Paul Jones. Through a mad-hearted war which old England will rue, at London, at Dublin, and Edinburgh too, the tradesman stands still, and the merchant bemoans the losses he meets with from such as Paul Jones. How happy for England would fortune but sweep at once all her treacherous foes to the deep, for the land under burthens most bitterly groans to get rid of some that are worse than Paul Jones. To each honest heart that is Britain's true friend, in bumpers I'll freely this toast recommend. May Paul be converted, the ministry purged, old England be free, and her enemies scourged. If success to our fleets be not quickly restored, the leaders in office to shove from the board. May they all fare alike, and the Dell pick the bones of Green, Jimmy Twitcher, Lord North, and Paul Jones. On September 23, 1779, the little squadron sighted a British fleet of 40 sail off Flamborough Head. They were merchantmen bound for the Baltic, under convoy of the Sharapis, 44, and the Countess of Scarborough, 20. Captain Jones instantly gave chase, ordering his consorts to form in line of battle. But the Alliance, whose command had been given to a Frenchman, ran off to some distance, leaving the Richard to attack the Serapis single-handed, while the Paulus took care of the Scarborough. Paul Jones, September 23, 1779. An American frigate from Baltimore came. Her guns mounted forty, the Richard by name. We went to cruise in the channel of Old England with a noble commander. Paul Jones was the man. We had not sailed long before we did espy a large forty-four and a twenty close by. These two warlike ships, full laden with store, our captain pursued to the bold Yorkshire shore. At the hour of twelve, Pierce came alongside with a loud-speaking trumpet. Whence came you, he cried. Quick, give me an answer. I hailed you before, or this very instant a broadside I'll pour. Paul Jones, he exclaimed, 
My brave boys will not run. Let every brave seaman stand close by to his gun. When a broadside was fired by these brave Englishmen, we bold buckskin heroes returned it again. We fought them five glasses, five glasses most hot, till fifty brave seamen lay dead on the spot, and full seventy more lay bleeding in gore, whilst Pierce's loud cannon on the Richard did roar. Our gunner affrighted, unto Paul Jones he came, our ship is a-sinking, likewise in flame. Paul Jones, he replied, in the height of his pride, if we can do no better, we'll sink alongside. At length our shot flew so quick, they could not stand. The flag of proud Britain was forced to come down. The alliance bore down, and the Richard did rake, which caused the heart of Richard to ache. Come now, my brave buckskin, we've taken a prize, a large forty-four, and a twenty likewise. They are both noble vessels, well laden with store. We will toss off the can to our country once more. God help the poor widows, who shortly must weep, for the loss of their husbands now sunk in the deep. We'll drink to brave Paul Jones, who, with sword in hand, shone foremost in action and gave us command. The Serapis was greatly superior to the Richard in armament and fighting qualities, but Paul Jones succeeded in running his vessel into her and lashing fast. So close did they lie that their yard-arms interlocked and both ships were soon covered with dead and wounded. At the end of two hours the Serapis was on fire, but the Richard was already sinking. Half an hour later the Serapis surrendered, the Richard was kept float with great difficulty until morning when she sank. The Bonhomme Richard and Serapis, September 23, 1779. O'er the rough main with flowing sheet, the guardian of a numerous fleet, Serapis from the Baltic came, a ship of less tremendous force, sailed by her side the self-same course. Countess of Scarborough was her name. And now their native coasts appear, Britannia's hills their summits rear, above the German main. Fond to suppose their dangers o'er, they southward coast along the shore, thy waters, gentle Thames, to gain. Full forty guns Serapis bore, and Scarborough's Countess twenty-four. Manned with old England's boldest tars, what flag that rides the Gaelic seas shall dare attack such piles as these, designed for tumults and for wars? Now from the topmast giddy heights a seaman cried, for sail in sight, approach with favoring gales. Pearson, resolved to save the fleet, stood off to see these ships to meet, and closely braced his shivering sails. With him advanced the countess bold, like a black tar in wars grown old. Now these floating piles drew nigh, but muse unfold what chief of fame and the other warlike squadron came, whose standards at his masthead fly. T'was Jones, brave Jones, to battle led, 
as bold a crew as ever bled upon the sky-surrounded main the standards of the western world were to the willing minds unfurled denying britain's tyrant reign the good man richard led the line the alliance next with these combined the gaelic ship they paulus called the vengeance armed with sword and flame these to attack the Britons came, but two accomplished all. Now Phoebus sought his pearly bed, but who can tell the scenes of dread, the horrors of that fatal night? Close up these floating castles came. The good man Richard burst in flame. Serapis trembled at the sight. She felt the fury of her ball, down prostrate down the britons fall the decks were strewed with slain jones to the foe his vessel lashed and while the black artillery flashed loud thunders shook the main alas that mortals should employ such murdering engines to destroy that frame by heaven so nicely joined alas that ere the god decreed that brother should bribe brother bleed, and poured such madness in the mind. But thou, brave Jones, no blame shalt bear. The rights of man demand your care. For these you dare the greedy waves. No tyrant on destruction bent has planned thy conquest. Thou art sent to humble tyrants and their slaves. See, Dread Serapis flames again, And art thou, Jones, among the slain, And sunk to Neptune's caves below. He lives, though crowds around him fall, Still he unhurt survives them all, Almost alone he fights the foe, And can your ship these strokes sustain? Behold your brave companion slain, all clasped in ocean's cold embrace strike or be sunk the briton cries sink if you can the chief replies fierce lightnings blazing in his face then to the side three guns he drew almost deserted by his crew and charged them deep with woe by pearson's flash he aimed hot balls his mainmast totters down it falls, overwhelming half below. Pearson had yet disdained to yield, but scarce his secret fears concealed, and thus was heard to cry, With hell, not mortals, I contend. What art thou, human or a fiend, that dost my force defy? Return, my lads, the fight renew. So called bold Pearson to his crew, but called, alas, in vain. Some on the decks lay maimed and dead, some to their deep recesses fled, and hosts were shrouded in the main. Distressed, forsaken, and alone, he hauled his tattered standard down and yielded to his gallant foe. Bold Pallas soon the countess took, thus both their haughty colors struck, confessing what the brave can do but jones too dearly didst thou buy these ships possessed so gloriously 
to many deaths disgraced the fray thy bark that bore the conquering flame that the proud brenton overcame even she forsook thee on the way for when the morn began to shine fatal to her the ocean brine poured through each spacious wound quick in the deep she disappeared but jones to friendly belizea steered with conquest and with glory crowned go on great man to scourge thy foe and bid these haughty britons know they to our thirteen stars shall bend those stars that veiled in dark attire long glimmered with a feeble fire but radiant now ascend bend to the stars that flaming rise in western not in eastern skies fair freedom's reign restored so when the magi come from far beheld the god attending star they trembled and adored philip Frenou. another remarkable action was that between the hyder ali and the general monk the latter a cruiser mounting twenty nine pounders had been harassing the american shipping in delaware bay and the merchants of philadelphia finally equipped the hyder ali an old merchantman with sixteen six-pounders put joshua barney in command and started him after the british ship barney's invitation april seventeen eighty two come all ye lads who know no fear to wealth and honor with me steer in the hyder alley privateer commanded by brave barney she's new and true and tight and sound well rigged aloft and all well found come away and be with laurel crowned away and leave your lasses accept our terms without delay and make your fortunes while you may such offers are not every day in the power of the jolly sailor success and fame attend the brave but death the coward and the slave who fears to plough the atlantic wave to seek the bold invaders come then and take a cruising bout our ship sails well there is no doubt she has been tried both in and out and answers expectation let no proud foes whom europe bore distress our trade insult our shore teach them to know their reign is o'er bold philadelphia sailors we'll teach them how to sail so near or to venture on the delaware when we in warlike trim appear and cruise without henlopen who cannot wounds and battle dare shall never clasp the blooming fair the brave alone their charms should share the brave are their protectors with hand and heart united all prepared to conquer or to fall attend my lads to honor's call embark in our hyder ali from an eastern prince she takes her name who smit with freedom's sacred flame usurping britons brought to shame his country's wrongs avenging see on her stern the waving stars inured to blood inured to wars come enter quick my jolly tars to scourge these warlike britons 
Here's grog enough, then drink about. I know your hearts are firm and stout. American blood will never give out, and often we have proved it. Though stormy oceans round us roll, we'll keep a firm, undaunted soul, befriended by the cheering bowl, sworn foals to melancholy. When timorous landsmen lurk on shore, tis ours to go where cannons roar. On a coasting cruise we'll go once more, despisers of all danger. And fortune still, who crowns the brave, shall guard us o'er the gloomy wave. A fearful heart betrays the knave. Success to Hyder Ali. Philip Frenou. The Hyder Ali sailed down the bay April 8, 1782, and met the Englishman near the Capes. By skillful maneuvering, Barney was able to rake his antagonist. Then, lashing fast, poured several broadsides in rapid succession into the enemy, who struck their colors at the end of thirty minutes. Song, April 8, 1782 o'er the waste of waters cruising long the general monk had reigned all subduing all reducing none her lawless rage restrained many a brave and hardy fellow yielding to this warlike foe when her guns began to bellow struck his humbled colors low but growing bold with long successes leaving the wide watery way she, a stranger to distresses, came to cruise within Cape May. Now we soon, said Captain Rogers, shall their men of commerce meet. In our hold we'll have them lodgers. We shall capture half their fleet. Lo, I see their van appearing. Back our topsails to the mast. They toward us full are steering with a gentle western blast. I've a list of all their cargoes, all their guns, and all their men. I am sure these modern Argos can't escape us one in ten. Yonder comes the charming Sally sailing with the General Green. First we'll fight the Hardier Ali. Taking her is taking them. She intends to give us battle, bearing down with all her sail. Now, boys, let our cannon rattle to take her we cannot fail our eighteen guns each a nine pounder soon shall terrify this foe we shall maul her we shall wound her bringing rebel colors low while thus he anticipated conquests that he could not gain he in the cape may channel waited for the ship that caused his pain Captain Barney then preparing, thus addressed his gallant crew, Now, brave lads, be bold and daring, let your hearts be firm and true. This is a proud English cruiser, roving up and down the main. We must fight her, must reduce her, though our decks be strewed with slain. Let who will be the survivor, we must conquer or must die, we must take her up the river, Whate'er comes of you or I, though she shows most formidable with her eighteen-pointed nines and her quarters clad in sable, 
let us balk her proud designs with four nine pounders and twelve sixes we will face that daring band let no dangers damp your courage nothing can the brave withstand fighting for your country's honor now to gallant deeds aspire helmsman bear us down upon her gunner give the word to fire then yardarm and yardarm meeting straight began the dismal fray cannon mouths each other greeting belched their smoky flames away soon the language grape and chain shot that from barney's cannons flew swept the monk and cleared each round top killed and wounded half her crew captain rogers strove to rally but they from their quarters fled while the roaring hider ali covered o'er his decks with dead when from their tops their dead men tumbled and the streams of blood did flow then their proudest hopes were humbled by their brave inferior foe all aghast and all confounded they beheld their champions fall and their captain sorely wounded bade them quick for quarters call then the monk's proud flag descended and her cannon ceased to roar by her crew no more defended she confessed the contest o'er come brave boys and fill your glasses you have humbled one proud foe no brave action this surpasses fame shall tell the nation so thus be britain's woes completed thus abridged her cruel reign till she ever thus defeated yields the scepter of the main philip Fresnel. the last naval action of the war occurred december nineteenth seventeen eighty two when the american ship south carolina forty guns was chased and captured off the delaware by the british ships quebec diomede and austria carrying ninety eight guns a few days later a ballad describing the affair appeared in the loyalist papers as a letter from a dejected jonathan a prisoner taken in the south carolina to his brother ned at philadelphia the south carolina december nineteen seventeen eighty two my dear brother ned we are knocked on the head no more let america boast we may all go to bed and that's enough said for the south carolina we've lost the pride of our eyes i swear is a prize you never will see her again unless to surprise you are brought where she lies a prisoner from the false main O oh Lord, what a sight! I was struck with a fright when the Diomede shot round us fell. I feared that in spite they'd have slain us outright and send us directly to H.L. The Quebec did fire, or I'm a cursed liar, and the Eustria came up apace. We could not retire from the confounded fire. They all were so eager in chase. The Diomedes' shot was damnation hot. She was several times in a blaze. It was not my lot to go then to pot, but I vow I was struck with amaze. 
and Ned may I die, or be poked in a sty, if ever I venture again where bullets do fly, and the wounded do cry, tormented with anguish and pain. The hope I can tell, and the brig Constance fell, I swear and I vow in our sight, the first I can say was taken by day, but the latter was taken at night. I die to relate what has been our fate, how sadly our navies are shrunk. The pride of our state begins to abate, for the branches are lopped from the trunk. The Congress must bend, we shall fall in the end, for the cursed British serpents are tough. But I think as you find, I have enough penned of such cursed, such vexatious stuff. Yet how vexing to find we are left all behind, that by sad disappointment we're crossed. Ah, fortune unkind, thou afflictest my mind, when the South Carolina we lost. Our enemy vile, cunning Digby does smile is pleased at our mischance. He useth each while our fleets to beguile and to check our commerce with France. No more as a friend our ships to defend. Of South Carolina we boast. As a foe in the end, she will us attend. For the South Carolina we've lost. End of section 15